Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Today we have a guest speaker. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that um, and James and his background in a minute. But I just wanted to introduce uh, kind of the session. So, you know, when we started this community back in March, um, you know, Jay and I certainly didn't know that we would start a community that is getting upwards of 5,000 people and that we'd, uh, you know, start to be in a position where we need to be thinking about things like diversity, equity, inclusion, making people feel like their voices can be heard, making sure that people feel included uh, and making sure that we are uh, bringing as much diversity as possible. And so um, now that we're, you know, we've got this great growing community, we want to make sure and have an effort. So that's why we started the the DEI initiative. Uh, Lauren Mecca has been great in helping us. Um, Alex Farmer, Brian uh, Hartley, I'm leaving out people already. Uh, there's tons of, of other folks on that little subgroup that we have. And so we've really appreciated them uh, stepping in and just trying to find unique ways that we can help our community at large think about these um, as an individual contributor and as a manager. So um, I know a couple of weeks ago, one of the first things that we tried to do was just um, put out a quick survey. We wanted to get a, a, a lay of the land, so to speak. And so uh, we've got some early results and um, Jay, I'll kick it to you maybe for a minute and just give us a couple of highlights of what you've kind of seen in the data, what we were able to pull out so far um, and tell us a little bit about that. And then I'll, I'll uh, come back and intro James and we'll get things started. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. And we're not going to go through a deep dive on the data today. We're going to actually publish a report. So again, big shout out to Lauren and Alex and uh, Brian Hartley, who put all this together and spent a lot of time in the data and, and sort of aggregating it for us. That, that stuff takes time. And, and I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, but we're going to publish it out there, full transparency on Gangrel Retain. So uh, be sure to go check it out. But I think what, what, what I saw as I looked at the data, and I'd ask, you know, if Brian uh, or anybody has anything to sort of add to this, feel free. But um, our, our community at large, um, we're doing a, a fairly decent job of making people feel included. Uh, but we do need to attract more diversity into the community. And I think it speaks to the, the larger tech landscape as well which we've always said from the beginning, like we have an opportunity to help influence the overall uh, the SaaS and, and tech industry because there are some diversity challenges there. Um, the one area that I think um, we, um, I pulled out that we could probably stand improve making a little bit of a, a, an improvement is to make sure that whenever people contribute in Gengar Retain, no matter what color or uh, gender or creed they are, that they feel heard and their opinions feel valued. And I think, you know, that's just sort of, that, that's a natural thing. If there was one place in the data, I thought we had some opportunity. That's where it was. Um, but it wasn't dramatically off any, of, of any of the other areas, but it was an area that was a little bit lower for us. Um, I think that goes for the online community. It goes for this forum. It goes for any time when we interact with one another. Um, but also the thing that stuck out to me was what people really feel like they need to learn more about. And I know I need a lot more education on just things like diversity recruiting and uh, in, in unconscious bias. And um, we had the, the great opportunity to work with James Parker at uh, Higher Logic, where he came in and trained our entire team, starting with our executive team on some of these concepts. And I'm not going to steal any more of his thunder from, or Jeff's thunder for his intro. But, um, but this is sort of like the first step as a community and us sort of embracing what we've all said now. And like, let's get educated on this and, and do something about it within our little circle and expand from there. So I'm really thrilled you're here. Thank you, James, for, for being here with us. And uh, and thank you all for being here with us and being attentive to this, uh, this kind of content and this kind of opportunity that we have in our, in our corner of the world here. So Jeff, I'll turn it back over to you and let you introduce James. Awesome. Yeah. So like J- Jay said too, we're going to post those results um, onto Gengar Retain. So there'll be a file you guys can go look at. We'll be transparent um, just like we try to be uh, as always authentic and transparent. So um, you guys can look at those things and, and call things out in a discussion thread as well. Uh, but yeah, today we've got James Parker. So he's 
um, an adjunct adjunct family member, uh, which I appreciate you put family member, you know, instead of uh, professor or you know, employee of, but he's a family member of Howard Community College, and he's got over 20 years of training experience in diversity, inclusion, uh, equal employee opportunity, and conflict resolution. Um, he's written, developed, and delivered training in those areas to senior leadership, management, and staff, just like Jay had mentioned. He's worked at companies like Track Auto, Sodexo, Johns Hopkins University, Marriott Management Services. So uh, we're really excited and thrilled for James to be here today. He's going to walk through uh, some content. He's going to talk about uh, a few things, and then we're actually going to uh, do something that is probably familiar for this group, which is going to breakout rooms to have some discussion around some some questions that James is going to ask us, um, and then we'll we'll come back and have um, some Q and A at the end. I think I just stole James's agenda uh, thunder, but um, James, we'll go ahead and uh, kick it over to you now and, and let you take it take the show. Uh, that's great, Jeff. That's not a problem. And listen, uh, good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure uh, to be with the uh, uh, with the community today. And I want to thank Ann and Lauren and Jeff and Jay just for uh, allowing me to be a, a part of today's discussion. Um, I'll share a few of my thoughts today. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, yours as well. Uh, the first thought that I really want to share is that uh, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and particularly when we talk about inclusion, my thought is, is that inclusion is purposeful. And I would guess that, you know, because you're here, uh, that you appreciate diversity, diverse backgrounds, diverse perspectives, and diversity of thought. Uh, but the reality for many of us, when we think about this diversity and inclusion space, the reality for many of us is that we kind of cling to our comfort zones. Pretty much everybody does. You know, some people um, say that they like change. And quite frankly, when we say we like change very often, what we mean is we like the change <laughs> that we like. Uh, but the comfort zone is, is really where we are. And I, and I, and I saw a Pew Research study one time that said uh, that about 60% of Americans said that they would like to live in a diverse community. But what's interesting is, is that over 70% of us grow up in a neighborhood with people like us, whatever like us happens to be. So since we're, since that's our reality for many of us, and since human beings are resistant to change, um, what I'm hoping we can do today is just kind of give ourselves a break uh, as we try to, you know, cross this bridge of where we are from a diverse standpoint to, to where we want to be. And that's the reason why I say to be inclusive is certainly possible, uh, but it's purposeful because we are all products of our upbringing. I grew up on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. I grew up in a little teeny town with uh, about 250 people, counting cats and dogs. Uh, so, you know, so growing up in a small town, uh, I grew up in a town where diversity meant black and white. Uh, we didn't have, you know, much other diversity other than that. So interacting with, uh, interacting with white people, me being African-American, not a problem at all, but that's not the same for people who may grow up in an urban center, which is also not the same for people who may grow up in a community where there are no people of color at all. So all of us are products of our environment. That doesn't make us racist. That doesn't make us bigots. We just kind of are who we are. And so one of the things that, that I'd like uh, to offer is, is that because we are products of our environment, uh, we do bring certain biases to the table. And Jay mentioned, you know, the, the whole concept of unconscious bias. Uh, very often it's implicit association. It's a, it's associating uh, our past with the, with, with what we, you know, with what we are experiencing right now. Now, biases aren't always bad because if we didn't have biases, there are about 11 million uh, inputs of data that we get every second. And if we didn't have biases, we really wouldn't even be able to function because we can only, you know, really process about 40 of those 11 million and we can really focus on about seven. So the brain does everything else. 
But where biases can get in the way is when we're interacting with people and when we treat people and interact with people, not based on who we're talking to, but based on uh, who they remind us of. And so that's where that implicit association is something that we really want to raise our awareness about. So, you know, with gain, grow and retain, I understand that, you know, you want to seek and keep the most talented staff. I, I understand that you want to diversify your customer base and be a part of this, this, this cultural evolution that really is embracing the changing demographics of our country and, and of our world. And so that's the reason why I say if that's what we want to do, uh, let's just understand that if it feels a little bit unnatural sometimes, that's okay because at the beginning, inclusion is purposeful, but if we do it right, it does. it's not just what we do, it becomes a part of who we are. And so not only is it purposeful, but it also is a really uh, a good reason uh, for businesses to be diverse and to be inclusive. There's some great reasons uh, for that. And I'm curious as, as leaders of your organization, and I'm gonna ask Jeff to drop us into some, some breakout groups now, but I'm curious from your perspective, and I'd like for you to just kind of share with each other, we're gonna go for about 10 minutes, share with each other, what do you see as the benefits of diversity and inclusion from a business perspective? What are the benefits to you? So we're gonna jump into uh, breakout groups for about 10 minutes. If you would please, if somebody would volunteer to, to be the reporter back to the group, we come back together and just give us, you know, just some quick highlights, the headlines of the conversation that you had. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. I may pop into a group or another. And so look forward to seeing everybody in about 10 minutes. All right. Um, we. Our group talked about, well, first we outlined um, the ways in which diversity and inclusion are, like what are they? Um, and it's certainly not just the shade of your skin. Um, we talked about um, generational differences, age, um, language, uh, different cultural um, items. And a couple of really neat takeaways were um, the benefits are, are just greater depth of skill, especially as we talk about having different um, generational uh, folks on your team, um, young to old, because they're bringing different technologies with them. They're bringing different ways of problem solving with them. Um, interestingly, we talked about um, in a global environment, working with um, customers and team members across the globe, what, you know, what's respectful in their culture? Um, we could be making some big missteps because we don't have the understanding of what's protocol and what's culturally acceptable um, in there. And, and so that was a big takeaway. And then another very interesting takeaway I thought was um, uh, feedback that in particular cultures or your upbringing, um, you, you may have a bias about what your peers expect you to do or even where they expect you to work or who they expect you to hang with and the the courage to step outside of what's normal for your inner circle. So it's not necessarily an outside in, but it's an, it's it's your own group and what you feel like they're expecting you to do to because that's what's been normally done and in, in breaking out of that for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, that, that's awesome feedback. And, and, and I think the cultural piece that you mentioned, uh, when I was listening in on one of the groups, Rebecca mentioned, <clears throat> pardon me, mentioned that it's okay not to know things. And that's really important, right? Because we're learning. Part of this entire space is learning each other. And, and that's really one of the most exciting pieces. So, so I'm glad you brought that up, Vivian. Uh, Will, how about you and your team? Yeah, it was interesting to see how well some of the responses flowed together. 
Uh, or he was talking about how, um, you know, a woman seeing an all male board might not want to join that company. And Sarah was like, yes, that, I had that experience. Exactly. Um, I think the probably most insightful piece to share is, and I don't know to what extent it, it's equal parts inspiring and also sucks that the onus has to be so strong on the individuals. All right. DEI in many ways, at least personally, it's somewhat self-evident that yes, having a diverse, equitable, and inclusive team and culture will drive stronger results. Um, but how do you actually implement that in a world where the numbers are stacked, at least historically against diversity? Um, and yeah, Christy kind of just plowed through all the different aspects of ensuring you have a diverse, well, A, ensuring like reflecting on your pipeline and hiring practices and your team. And to what extent that's a formal analysis of age, race, sexual orientation, et cetera, versus just I have nine white men on my team um, and ensuring that you're both uh, recruiting in the pipeline and hiring a diverse team and how you almost need to be an advocate and like a, a change agent at the outset. So that's, I think, another thing I'm curious to hear as well from everyone is, all right, how do you actually do this? Because execution is everything. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Well, and one thing that I'll mention, and, and I think Will uh, spoke to this, is the fact that you know when we're talking about whether we're talking about recruiting or whether we're talking about about customers, one of the one of the realities is is that you know we do look for ourselves, right? So you know if if I'm looking for if I'm looking for a career opportunity, when I go to your website, do I see myself? in the website, you know, if there's, you know, if there's an interviewing panel, do I see myself in the interviewing panel, right? Do, you know, do, can, can I see myself, you know, fitting in? And I don't really like the word fit, to be honest with you, because fit tends to go to our preconceived notions, but for individuals looking to join an organization, whether or not we see ourselves, it does make a difference. So, so I can appreciate that analogy of the, or the example of an all-male board. And, and what does it feel like to be a woman coming into that situation? So that, that, that's a great thought. Uh, Lauren. Hi. Um, we had a group who came who came up with a lot of internal cultural dynamics that result from diversity that can really, uh, in the end, lead to competitive advantage both for recruiting, you know, retaining talent, but also getting good, making good decisions, hearing mm -hmm. a variety of voices. So, some specifics we came up with were just the fact of having diversity on your team. Um, in the team makeup sets a baseline expectation that differences are not only accepted, but celebrated. And I think that can lead to one of my favorite topics, psychological safety, to take more risks and really say what you think can, can have such a huge impact on your business. Um, we also talked about representing a variety of strengths and the ability to be honest about those strengths and then honest about our not strengths. Um, and we heard from Lori Reese that, she really believes that so much can be taught. So in the hiring process and when you're evaluating people for positions, um, looking at diversity of the makeup can be paired with continued investment in upskilling people when you bring them onto your team. So those two things hand in hand can contribute to that, you know, advantaged culture with diversity in place. Yeah, yeah, I like that psychological safety because that, that safe space is important. Uh, in, if you're going to have an inclusive work environment, safe space is critically important. Julie, what did your team talk about? Good morning, everyone. Um, well, I had uh, Minaj, Andrew, and Rebecca on our team, and we really decided that, you know, your customer base is very, very wide and your customer base is very diverse. And in order to properly connect and empathize and actively listen 
and you know find out what their why is you need to be able to understand their backgrounds and where they come from and so by you know allowing yourself to learn about different people then you can make those connections a little bit stronger and it's also about not knowing what you don't know so you know you, you grow up in a certain environment unless you bring in factors from different places you're not going to be able to understand so by putting your hand up and saying i don't know everything and i need to involve other people from other walks of life so that i can be enthusiastic to you know learn and to expand my knowledge of different people in the world and how they how they interact then i can actually serve my customer better and serve my team better yeah and, and you know when you talk about the customer base julie one of the other things that 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 the great opportunity is is that the more diverse your you know your organization is you can find that you actually expand your customer base beyond where it is sometimes we don't reach a certain demographic because we haven't really found that niche we didn't haven't really found that understanding and so by diversifying the organization it absolutely has a great business benefit from that perspective as well uh emily uh, how about the uh, your group hi everyone uh, you guys are tough acts to follow. Uh, <laughs> the points that Vivian, Will, Lauren, and Julie brought up are, are all things that we discussed as well. And our, our basic takeaway in our group was diversity is good for business. Um, it leads to more informed decisions, better results, better outcomes. And we took some time to talk about the different kinds of diversity that are available to us and ones that we maybe have experienced in the past, like you might have an optimist and somebody who is more of a realist on your team. You might have a new person versus somebody who's seasoned. Um, if you have that diverse background, you're going to have that diversity in perspective and you're going to do all those good things that our, our colleagues just talked about, like connecting better with your customer base, making more informed decisions, having your workforce reflect your customer base or even the customer base that you want to attract. Um, and right before we adjourned, um, we had a discussion about bias. We didn't have quite enough time to get through it, but um, we really recognized that we have these inherent biases and they can be very, very early in that hiring process. It can be as early as the words that you use in your job description for your position can be an indicator to somebody of, of who is, you know, who, who you're trying to attract. Names on resumes can be huge indicators. You know, if you look at my name, you know I'm female. If you look at when I graduated from college, you know how old I am. So um, we, at my company, and I don't wanna go into it now, um, but we we actually are doing some proactive measures to um, almost like force diverse candidates into our candidate pipeline because we identified that we do have an issue. Um, and the fact that, you know, saying that, oh, we're just not getting a lot of diverse resumes into the company, that wasn't enough. Like we, we recognize we can't, we, we're not a passive participant in this. We're in it for the long game and we want to attract a diverse candidate pool and not only diversify our um, our workforce but also get out there into the world and kind of represent the change that we want to see out there um, in in our country so um, if we have a longer session i'd be happy to share a little bit more about how we're doing that 
Yeah, and Emily, I mean, I think that's great stuff because when you're when you're talking about you know recruitment, and again, if, if we take the premise that inclusion is purposeful, what I hear you saying is that is that diversity of recruitment is purposeful as well, right? That you you actually have to do something in order to increase your candidate pool, and there are a number of things that you can do. And I know that recruitment, you know, may be another conversation for another day, but I am really happy that you raised that thought because it is absolutely spot on. Uh, how about Marcus? I'll I'll. Uh say that Emily was right. It's, it's tough to be the last in the group as many of the topics have already been covered here. Uh, you know, we, we started with looking at the fact that it's important to have a real, a lot of different schools of thought. You know, we're dealing oftentimes with global customers or, you know, across the country. And, and as we're supporting all those different customers, you know, having that diversity is really going to help to make sure that we're approaching them properly, having the right conversations and, uh, you know, understanding those nuances. Uh, we also brought up the fact that, you know, in customer success, we have all come across a customer that has asked for a different CSM. Mm -hmm. And by having a, a greater diversity within your team, you may be able to better position someone who might uh, gel better with that customer and, and lead to the better results. Obviously, it's it's a challenge because you also don't want to uh, play that in, in, you know, potentially alienate someone on the team because they're getting moved and, and being moved to, you know, because of maybe a diversity issue there. Um, as well, we touched upon the importance of the hiring process, you know, the, the challenge of always wanting to hire the, the best person for the role, but keeping diversity in mind and, and the importance of really starting that earlier in, in the process. And we looked at the fact that, you know, one of the sort of benefits of COVID and now being able to work more remotely is we're able to open up our uh, talent pool to a wider audience because we're working remote and that actually should be helping us to to bring in more candidates that are diverse and, and giving us a, a wider spectrum of people to work with. Yeah. And, and, you know, Marcus, when you talk about the best person for the job, sometimes the best person for the job is not the one that appears to be hardwired to exactly what our concept is for that position. Sometimes the best person for the job is someone who brings an entirely different perspective. You know, uh, Franz Johansson wrote, uh, uh, wrote the book, The Medici Effect, and just kind of talked about, you know, how, you know, how people that come from an entirely different discipline, if we think about it and if we apply it, it can really, you know, have huge benefits in it, you know, in another area. And so, you when you talk about that best person for the job, Marcus, I think that's another opportunity for us to expand our minds. Uh, Brian? Yeah, sure. I will. I'll make it quick because a lot of the points have already been made that we covered in our group as well. But I would say the other theme that came out of ours is you have companies on different levels of maturity as it relates to DEI. So you take, for example, uh, Steve Forsall and, and Chandler talking about, hey, this is just this is how we've always been. We're a global organization. This is the expectation. We have diverse employees and viewpoints of all different walks of life versus myself, where, hey, we senior leadership team is all white males and, and the company itself is all white people. So, you know, I think people are on different levels of maturity spectrum, uh, but you have to evolve, you have to get there because that's that's where we're going and should be going. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and when, when you, you know, when you say that, Brian, you know, I, it, if that's where we are, that's where we are, right? We can't, we, we can't change who we are, but what we do have, that, that opens up a ton of opportunity, right? We have, the, we have a lot of opportunity to, to increase our diversity. Um, and, and, you know, 
uh, Jan mentioned, I was listening into one of the groups and Jan mentioned the fact that, you know, it is important to track, right? So by tracking your demographics and then taking a look at that versus, you know, what, you know, what the available population is, you know, you know, those things can help you see, are we on track? And if you take that and you put that together, uh, you know, with, with Emily's purposeful uh, uh, recruiting efforts, then you're really going to get some traction and, and you'll see some of the changes that I think everybody's looking for. Uh, Alex, you have the, uh, you have the last word. Good. And uh, uh, one word it could probably be, because everything has been uh, covered, I think, so far. But just to, to reiterate a, a few things, being intentional with hiring, we did talk a little bit about, um, Emily, I know you mentioned, James, you echoed, um, and, and really trying to, and I think just one, one personal reflection on that, working at a company that is probably very immature, recently joined an organization that focuses in like um, power and, and energy, which is obviously quite a, a male-centric uh, uh, industry. And, and being really intentional is taking the first step to, because the more you diversify, the more likely people uh, people see themselves in the process. So it kind of feeds itself. And that's why it's so important to really take the first steps in, in pushing that, that hiring agenda. Um, I think a few other things we reflected is, you know, by having a really uh, homogeneous, um, you know, kind of set of employees, you, you get this real group think and people don't actually kind of, ha nobody is bringing a new perspective. Therefore, we're jumping to conclusions and we're probably making the wrong conclusions, right? So I think there's a real imperative to, to have um, a diverse set of opinions um, which, which is informed, I think, by, by you know, a diverse set of employees. Um, we talked about the customer benefit. People have mentioned it before, global teams, global customers. There's going to be a better customer experience if we can um, uh, you know, ha have, have a, a, a team that reflects that, that global nature. Um, and I think even more tactically, like you know, we as leaders talk about this all the time, but how we drive this culture down to the individual level on a tactical basis. If somebody doesn't feel included, they go write a bad review on a public website. Right. And, and there's an actual, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenging, a challenge, but, but, but of course has a business impact and really kind of shoots us in the foot. If we're trying to create an inclusive and safe space to bring a more diverse um, uh, talent pool to organization. Um, so I think we talked uh, Matt and, and Matt had the last point around getting rid of the term culture fit and instead getting uh, leaning into the term of culture ad as a way to really kind of push that imperative forward. So I thought that was a uh, uh, question. There we go. All right. Thanks, Alex. And, and when you mentioned the homogeneous group, one of the things that that's a reality as we dive into, you know, the diversity and inclusion space, the reality is, does it take more time? Yes, it does. A homogeneous group can have, you know, when you, when you have group think going, when everybody's kind of, you know, if they're trained the same way, you know, went to the same, you know, kind of colleges and universities, they bring the same thoughts. It's going to be really easy to come to a decision, right? We come to a decision, then we say, okay, where are we going to go eat lunch, right? It happens very quickly. Uh, but when you have a lot of diverse thoughts, Thoughts. It is going to take more time. That's a reality. But, uh, uh, you know, we end up with, with a, a result that is more creative, that's more innovative. Uh, and, and yeah, we do end up with, with, with better results, you know, when we have uh, more input. So, so I think you all certainly made an, an incredible business case. Uh, and, and I just add a couple things. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, half of, half of America, actually half of the world is, uh, is, is, is women. Uh, so, you know, and, 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 you know, from a customer perspective, uh, women may be half of the population, but, uh, you know, but I've, I've had a look at some things that say that they control 70 to 80% of buying power. So, 
So the reality is, is that, you know, for us to have gender diversity, it absolutely does make perfect sense. And the reality is, is that when we talk about, uh, you know, race as well, you know, in, you know, here in America, where I am, you know, white, uh, white people are 60% of the population, which means 40% of the population uh, are people of color, right? 3% are people that are, are that uh, uh, are of two or more races. So the reality is, is that there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there when we talk about diversity and inclusion and, and how we really look at that. So, so I, I, I want to, I want to just take a few minutes to, to talk about, uh, you know, now that we've talked about the business benefits and now that we've raised our awareness, um, you know, I, I really would like to take a, a thought on a couple of extra things. And, and one of them is, is that, you know, if we want to have a diverse workforce, it goes beyond metrics. So diversity may be reflected in the metrics, but inclusion, uh, those are the intangibles, right? The, the inclusion uh, kind of finds itself in questions like, do I feel valued? Do I feel respected? You know, are my ideas given the same consideration as other folks are? Do I matter? Do I actually belong here? Because those things really do matter. Uh, there, there was a Diversity Inc. magazine uh, article that said highly engaged employees are 87% less likely to leave just because they're highly engaged. And when you talk about retention, that really matters. And, and then speaking of engagement, uh, engaged employees, uh, they're 43% more productive. So you're going to pay, you're going to pay them anyway, but just imagine getting 43% more productivity just because we've taken the time and made the effort uh, to make sure that people are fully engaged uh, in their work. So since inclusion is purposeful, we can absolutely raise our awareness and, and raising our awareness really causes us to kind of uh, uh, expand our vision uh, when we talk about inclusion. Like, you know, who doesn't normally participate in social gatherings and is there a reason for it? Sometimes I may be a single father and I, I can't participate in happy hour because I got to pick my kid up from uh, from daycare, right? But is there another way that you can make sure I'm included in the group? You know, who is it that's more introverted and rarely speaks up at meetings? Is there a way that we can, you know, as, as Alex said in, in the group uh, I, I listened to for a second, can we take a pause, right? Is there a way we can take a pause and make sure that people who don't kind of jump in there with the first word, can we take a pause and make sure that they have an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to share? Or is there an opportunity after the meeting to share some way to get their ideas in the mix? And, and then also, if we're really going to raise our awareness as we seek to be more diverse, uh, then we are also more aware of if someone happens to be the only woman or the only person of color or the only individual individual with a disability in a meeting or on a team, are our conversations and our behaviors, are they inclusive to where those individuals would feel like I really belong? Uh, and, and, and one of the things that, that Mercedes mentioned when we talk about uh, belonging, I, I heard Mercedes talk about mentorship and, and just one thought on mentorship. And that is, is that traditionally when we look at mentoring, uh, we, we think about people being mentored by people uh, that look like them. And there's certainly some value to that. There's a, that's the comfort level of mentoring. But sometimes our best mentor is someone who's not like us at all. Sometimes because that gives us that diversity of thought, that gives us the opportunity to learn. I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact that, that many of your organizations at the top of the organizations are white males, right? So if someone's looking to grow in an organization, that may be the perfect person to mentor someone. So you know, can it be uncomfortable? Is it one of those things where you kind of have to get used to it? Absolutely. But is it beneficial for the organization? 
you bet it is. And so, so thinking of that is really uh, very important. There are a couple of practices that I would mention that are, that are just key foundational parts of an inclusive work environment. Uh, one is listening. And I know it sounds pretty basic, but that's really that, that's really important. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the uh, equal employment opportunity field, and you know, in in all of the cases that I've handled, you know, one of the common threads is people want. And Jay said this earlier: people want to be heard. And sometimes what folks will say is that, okay, well, if you won't listen to me, uh, then if I bring an attorney, I bet you'll listen to her. Or if the EEOC calls you, I bet you'll listen to them, right? And so and so we don't have to get there. One of the things that that leaders can do is leaders can really create the environment, create that safe space where we want you to bring concerns forward. It, talk to me, talk to HR, right? Use mediation or using, using any type of alternative dispute resolution. Certainly you can use your out to outside resources, but let's create a space within the organization where you feel comfortable bringing things forward without fear of retaliation. And that is a, a space that leaders uh, have to create. And so listening, does it take extra time? Absolutely. And so does inclusion. Because when we talk about listening to people, uh, one of the things that I think most of us know is that we're not really judged when it comes to retention and employees. We're not really judged on how we treat our best employees. We're really judged on how do we handle those that are most challenging for us because there's a lot of collateral damage that happens because it could be it could be Emily today, but it might be me tomorrow. And, and so how we handle our employees, whether we listen, whether we really think about are we being inclusive and are we giving equal opportunity and, and having that equity for everyone, that really matters. And then the last thing I'll mention is, 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 is always being aware of what Dr. Mary Rowe out of MIT, what she referred to as micro inequities. Uh, these are small things that, that make a big difference. And, and I've spent most of my career in male dominated, uh, in male dominated industries. And, and so one of the things I've seen is I've seen where when a guy's talking, you know, he gets all the time in the world, but if a lady starts talking, we're trampling over her words, uh, you know, referring to a person's age as opposed to talking about experience or I've, I've seen the flip side. I've seen younger people kind of being treated as though they need to be quiet and learn as opposed to recognizing the fact that they're bringing new information, a fresh perspective, new training to the table. And then one of the other things when we talk about micro inequities, sometimes that also happens with individuals with disabilities. Sometimes we assume what they can or cannot do as opposed to exploring what they have done and providing whatever accommodations are necessary. Because if we're talking about a diverse perspective and if we're talking about somebody who really brings creativity to the table, an individual with disabilities has, de has dealt with challenges all their lives. They've overcome them. So they really do bring a lot of creativity to the table. Once we have all of this diversity, yeah, it is going to create some awkward conversations. Uh, let's be honest, in a diverse workforce, it's more likely that somebody can be misunderstood and even offended. So I, I just want to leave with this thought, and that is, let's remember the concept of intent versus impact. Because often we, we approach awkward uh, conversations from the standpoint of what someone did to me. You hurt me. You did this. You, you dissed me in front of my team. And more often than not, if I approach you that way, I'm going to get a defensive or a negative response. But if I talk to you about how I feel, if I said, when this happened, this is how it made me feel, then we can have a conversation where you said, well, that's not what I meant. And then instead of having defensive walls up, what we can do is create a deeper relationship based on respect, 
based on dignity. And again, to be purposeful, that's what it takes in order to be inclusive. So my final thoughts are just simply that when in the diversity and inclusion space, because you want to be a more diverse uh, organization, leaders really set the tone for that. You set the tone for the jokes that will be allowed. You set the tone for whether or not it's okay to have a differing opinion or to disagree with what the, 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 the consensus may be. You set the tone for appreciating diversity and you set the tone for having an inclusive work environment. So inclusion, it is a purposeful act, but if we continue down that road uh, with eternal vigilance, it won't just be what we do, but it'll also be who we are. So I, I want to thank you again for your time. And Jeff, I'll turn it back over to you for uh, any final thoughts or questions. Awesome. Thank you, James. I know we've got um, probably about five or six minutes. If um, if there are any questions that you have, James said he would be willing to take a few. If there's anything you want to put into the chat window or if you feel comfortable raising your hand um, and coming off of mute and, and having anything. Um, so we'll give it maybe an opportunity for that and a space just for a few, few seconds to see if anybody has anything uh, that's coming top of mind. Uh, awesome. Emily, what are your new thoughts here? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, I just wanted to share a recent lesson that I learned um, through creating our diversity and inclusion guild at my company. Anyone who wanted to join the guild, we surveyed them. And one of our questions was, um, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you feel you can bring your whole self to work? And I was actually kind of on the side of, listen, I don't know why we would include that question. Like, why would we include that question? And the, the rest of the committee said, we're going to include that question. And, and of course, I answered it 100%. You guys get the same me that my family does, that my friends do. And, and when we got the results in, it was shocking. Um, it was shocking how many of our employees feel that they cannot bring their full selves to work. And it really, it was a huge indicator to us, like, we've got some work to do here. Like there are people who don't feel included, who feel like they need to be a different different type of person or you know, hide parts of who they really are in order to show up here and do their job. So you might be surprised um, in your own employees, at your own companies, um, how many of your colleagues are not bringing their full selves to work and not feeling um, that safety to be their, their full selves at the job. Yeah, if I can just jump in there on that, Jeff, uh, I, I agree 100%, Emily. And that's been my experience is that, you know, it, it is creating that space to be your whole self. And I know in, in, in talking with folks in the LGBTQ uh, community, for them, that's a big deal, right? Because, you know, if, 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 if I really get into who I am, are you going to look at me differently, right? Are, am I going to be judged differently? Am I going to be pigeonholed one place or the other? So, so that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a reality that we have to deal with. But the fact that you asked the question, it does let people know that you care. And that's a great first step. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that uh, example, Emily. I think uh, I think I saw a couple of people say that they might uh, be using that question. So I think that's a, a great example. Uh, awesome, Brian, do you have a thought here as well? Yeah, I just had a question for James. So one of your last points you made was, uh, you know, it starts at the top. It starts with leadership and, and buying into it. So other than sharing kind of data and, and what can happen if we pursue certain things, you know, what what are other things you can suggest to the group to help leadership buy into what we're talking about today? Or is it, hey, if you get to this point and they're still not bought in, then maybe it's just not the organization for you? 
Yeah, I think, you know, Brian, a, a couple of quick thoughts. Number one, I, I think that the what you shared for the benefits of diversity for, for leaders at a bottom line, that's going to matter. But then, you know, and, and then uh, over and above that, the other thing that really matters is, can we make it personal? Like all of us have been in a position, you know, where we felt that we were on the outside, whether even if it's the, you're the youngest in the family, like I, like I am, you know, everybody's had that position. So if you felt that before, then is that really how you want your employees to feel when they go home at night? Do you want them to go home feeling like they're left out? Do you want them to wake up in the morning and have to take a deep breath before they come into work? Because if, 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 we, if we think about it on those personal terms, then what we can do is you'll probably find a champion in the leadership ranks, and then that champion can help bring everybody else along. Awesome. Thank you for that question, Brian. And um, thank you again, James, for, for coming and, and talking with us today. Uh, also, if you all see Ann Burns on the call as well, she um, heads up our uh, great HR team here at, um, at Higher Logic. So thank you, Ann, for helping to organize this. Um, and we really appreciate it. And James, it was great. Again, this is the second time I've been able to sit through um, your session and I learned something different than I did the first time. So I appreciate, appreciate that as well. Um, and thank you to the group for sharing, coming and, and having an open mind to this type of discussion and topic. I think it speaks um, volumes to the 60 of us that were here um, on the call. And hopefully, as, as Jay mentioned, we're going to get the, the survey results out onto the community. We'll take this recording and put it out on the community as well. So uh, people can go back and watch this recording if, if they'd like to. And then um, I know we've got our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. If you'd like to join that, um, please reach out to Lauren. Uh, you know, always happy to include more people on that. And we're going to start thinking again, just more about what are some of the things that we can start doing from a community to help move this in the right direction that we can um, bring more speakers like James to the table. How can we bring resources potentially um, and start thinking about how we can, again, just support each other in this community. So um, really appreciate that. If Thanksgiving is a holiday you celebrate, I hope everybody gets a, a great Thanksgiving week and a, a break off. Uh, hopefully you get some time away from work and get to shut down the computer. Uh, thank you all for, for being in this community. We're excited about the direction. We're excited about where we are and uh, hope to see you all again here uh, the week after Thanksgiving for another CS Leadership Office Hours and uh, we'll see you all again soon. Thank you again, James. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, James. All right, stay Bye. safe. And especially Bye. to Jay and Jeff for actually having a diversity and inclusion initiative instead of putting something just on the website. Yeah, we were for all this good stuff and then there's no follow through. So I really applaud you for allowing this in this community and putting your foot forward and saying like, not here. So thank you for that. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.